0: Welcome back, boats and pros, episode one, season two. We're gonna call this season two Uh, via Zoom, but we will have it audio as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I'm Brooks Clark. Excited to have everybody here listening. Excited to be back. And wow, it's been some time since we were doing this, Uh, but happy to be here. And it's gonna be fun. And I have a co. We're gonna try having a co-host each episode this week. Each episode this season this week we're gonna have Dylan Paiva Paiva excuse me assistant sailing coach at the United States Naval Academy Dylan you're probably the number one fan of the show I would say uh you've always sure. super enthusiastic and eager uh and I'm happy that we could get you on the show thanks uh maybe later I'll tell you where I've got uh, Boats and Pros tattooed but we'll, we'll save that Ooh, love that uh so right off the bat I guess it's kind of hard to avoid, Uh, COVID-19, it's been the top story globally for the last month, and it's unfortunately affected the entire sports world, notably our sport that we love, sailing. Dylan, you're pretty close to it, the whole sport, as the Naval Academy assistant coach. I kind of feel as though the uniqueness of sailing, the fact that it's more of an individual sport, you're out in a boat with maybe one other person that you're quarantined with, a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend you're more it's you're more likely to be able to come back and sail than a contact sport like a baseball or basketball or football where you're coming into contact with a bunch of people. Ideally in sailing no (laughs) ideally you want no contact. That's kind of always the goal, I feel like, on the water. So I I think that there's potential avenues that could be taken for sailing to come back sooner than other sports. I don't know, Dylan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And I I think that's something that a lot of uh, the boating community, not just sailing is kind of thinking about, um, the, but one thing that we have to remember and, uh, is that when we go out on the water, you know, if everything goes perfectly, yes, we don't have any contact with anybody other than the people that are in the boat with us. Um, but God forbid there's any sort of an accident, something goes wrong, then you have to get, uh, DNR out there or the Coast Guard, and, and you have to send people to the hospital that's already overrun and struggling. So there are there are a lot of potential repercussions that uh, could exist outside of the actual sailing of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what uh, we're most concerned about. That and also bringing in people from uh, crossing state lines and getting large groups of people together, you know, I uh, one of the most fun things about our sport is the community that, that we have in sailing and being able to, after hard competition days, you know, gathering around in a, a tent and having, you know, boat drinks and, you know, that kind of deal, mm-hmm. uh, or for junior sailing, you know, the same thing, you know, getting, gathering around, you know, having pizza parties or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. the social aspect is is so important for our sport. Now that's certainly something we'd be willing to forego um, just to be able to get back on the water. But you know, like I said, there's a lot of other things that go along with that. So uh, hopefully we will be able to get on the water soon. Um, and yes, I do think that there's we as a sport pose much less of a threat than, you know, high school, college, uh, professional football or basketball or anything like that, where you have large
0: fan bases coming to see games, right? So
1: maybe we get on the water sooner. I certainly hope so.
0: And one of the few times that uh, it's a good thing that sailing doesn't have many fans in the stands. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're the, uh, you are the Club 420 class director, is your title? That's correct. Yeah, the executive director. Yeah, before, before we started recording, we were talking about you know, their summer program and how that, all of this affects the junior program schedule. My question was, considering the, with, like, the depth of the class and how it stretches quite literally from coast to coast, you have different events in Michigan, New Jersey, Rhode Island. How are you guys going to attack your schedule based off of, you know, different states might have different closure policies, or, you know, some states might open sooner than others. What's, how are you approaching that? That's a good question. And uh, um,
1: it's, you know, one I've been getting asked a lot over the last couple weeks. Uh, We're, as a board, uh, the Club 420 Board of Directors has made the decision to uh, make a decision 30 days prior to each event. And Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be, each one is going to be a voted on by the board of directors and we're going to take everything into consideration. We're going to take into consideration the uh, local regulations. We're going to take into consideration the Center for Disease Control recommendations. Um, we're going to take into consideration the impact that we would have by bringing people in across states and also the ability of people to travel uh, in these times. You know. We probably wouldn't want to host a North American Championship if only three boats can show up. That doesn't really seem appropriate. So, you know, we're we're gonna we're we're gonna take all of those different factors into consideration, and uh, you know, we certainly hope to be able to get get you know young sailors on the water this summer. Um, but we want to do it in
0: a way that is safe for them and safe for you know the entire community. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Going back to your, we were saying earlier, yes, you are, you know, in a 420, for example, you're in a boat with one other person sailing very far, not very far, but far enough away from other people, but it's everything that happens on shore from a logistics standpoint for a regatta like a North Americans or nationals of that magnitude. You have clogged boat ramps, you have people flying and traveling in from all over the country. You have just congested boat yards and yacht clubs and changing rooms. So it's, uh, yes, yeah, I see what you're saying. It just gonna be a wait and see case by case basis for every place
1: yeah and you know you have somebody you know we have a lot of people that will fly in from california for our regattas on the east coast so if you're flying into a regatta you're staying in a hotel you're getting a rental car you're uh you know eating at restaurants like you know those are all places where you're coming into contact with uh, mm-hmm. other people and uh, so that's again um there's a lot of uh, kind of dominoes that end up falling when you get a bunch of people together
0: can't imagine we won't be talking about COVID-19 down the line here with uh, this episode and future episodes based off of how you know everything's going on, but uh, we're going to throw it now. We got ICSA President Mitch Brindley to join us for this week's episode, and Alex Curtis, uh, North, North Sales employee and uh, fellow team race enthusiast, I would say. Probably
1: uh, uh, Boats and Pros number two fan, I would say.
0: Yeah, him. Yeah, you two are probably the super fans, so maybe... Yeah. maybe uh, we might see you guys a lot more on the show down the line, but uh, we're going to throw it now to that interview with Mitch and Alex. <laughs> All right. We are joined now by ICSA president, Mitch Brindley, who's also the head coach of old dominion university. Mitch, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the show.
2: Great Brooks. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so I think first off, we w- I just want to get a feel, for a timeline, for those of you that don't know, that are listening, the college sailing season was canceled. Uh, it was one of the early on during the whole shutdown process, if you will. And uh, Mitch, I was kind of hoping you could give us like your timeline of events, how you were seeing things, what information you were getting to ultimately come to that difficult decision you had to make.
2: Yeah. So, you know, this was back mid-March. I think it was like on the 13th um, when it all came together. We just had the St. Mary's team race. And, you know, it's funny, on the way up to St. Mary's, we started, you know, we were hearing some teams having to, you know, that day I had some calls from some uh, you know, coaches saying that they were gonna have to, they their their schools were, you know, bizarrely looking at, you know, pulling them out of regattas and they, no one could believe it. And we were all kind of in shock. And I know in the past you know, I'm kind of a bit of a news junkie and I've been um following some of the stuff that was going on. Um and in China and then in, um, in, in Seattle and so forth, and, and knew that this was coming about. But um, when, you know, when things started going, you know, when schools started having to you know, drop from events, we still thought it, this would be a short-term scenario for sure. Um, and it, you know, we're hopeful, but, you know, we realize in college sailing, so much of what we do, we're dependent upon Um, so many other entities and the decisions that they make and we're beholden to those decisions, whether it's universities, um, you know, different, you know, know, state agencies or governmental agencies, depending on the school. And, you know, that was clearly what was happening. It, you know, of course, this whole thing has been so rapidly developing and, and, you know, we're, you know, we couldn't imagine, you know, on that, whatever that Wednesday was, you know, that we were going to be there, you know, on, you know, the Sunday before and, you know, we thought, oh, let's just all wash our hands and, and we'll be fine. Um, and then, but it quickly, you know, so the first thing we did is we went on a, you know, a, a several week, uh, suspension and thought we'd be able to resume activity, but it quickly became clear, you know, we did that, I guess, on the 13th. And then, you know, quickly thereafter, um, you know, more things started to drop, and then we, you know, by the 18th of of um, of March, we realized that it was going to, you know, quickly come to an end, and we were going to have to uh, cancel everything. and And you know, we we did that, and that's about when the rest of the NCA canceled and made their decisions, canceled the, the Final Four, and, and and you know, the 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 NBA. Once, you know, I think that was eye opening for everybody when the NBA. Um, suspended their season um, you know it was a, a clear message to everybody and it was obvious that we were not that the things as we thought would lay out were not going to be you know, it, was, it was not going to be the case and by the 18th of March it was you know obviously that you know we weren't going to be able to um, control we weren't going to have be able to control a pathway to nationals and I think that was the important thing is that if we tried to hold on and as schools were already saying and, you know, whether it was some of the Ivy leagues were really some of the early ones to make that decision. Once they were out, um, you know, we knew that the the championships were not going to be the same Mm -hmm. and clearly we're not going to have a pathway to the championships. Um, and, and then yes, it was an obvious decision and it was not a really, it was not a hard decision. Um, You know, I I didn't look at it as a hard decision. It was a sad decision. It was, you know, still emotionally challenging to do that. And for so many of us have spent so much time and for all the, you know, the sailors have worked so hard to and and not just the seniors, but the, you know, all of them, -hmm. they've worked so hard to, you know, um, have the opportunity to compete in college sailing and and participate in, you know, practices and, and, you know, regattas and championships. It was certainly something that you know we didn't want to just do for all of it and you know even the early detractors i think you know quickly realized that it was the you know right thing to do and gosh now we look at it and it's like yeah no no shit this is exactly what we had to do um and uh so we're you know this is where we are you know we no championships for the year and you know the first time in like 85 years or something like that that we haven't had any championships well
0: i was thinking uh like the only other canceled college event was I think my junior or senior year, uh 20 20- senior. senior year, Dylan, yeah, thank you. Uh ACC's was canceled because uh
2: hurricane yeah. came through. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we canceled in after nine eleven, we missed like a week and and went right back at it. I know um, you know, it was a shocker and and um you know, we, we ended up like kind of everyone holding tight a little bit, but we got right back into it. We felt that let's get back to normal mm-hmm. as much as we can. And we did end up having to move the Nationals um, from um, the Nationals that fall. We were supposed to be in um, Kingston at Queens. And uh, we, we realized that people weren't going to be able to get back and forth across the border. Right. And so we actually ended up the last minute moving it to ODU. And this was you know, before I was president my corn was president. And, um, and, you know, it felt really important to just kind of make, get back to normal as quickly as we could. And I think in that scenario, we could, and obviously that's not the case now. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got to keep doing what we're supposed to do and maintain our social distancing and our, and our zoom conferencing. So. Yeah. One thing that I've thought about recently is that, you
1: know, I guess it's kind of a uh, a catch-22, but, you know, thank God this happened when we have technology to be able to continue operating in some fashion. You know, if this had happened 20 years ago, we would not be able to do
2: what we're doing right now. Right. You're right. You're right. And, and thank God, because this is a, you know, a much easier way to continue the relationships with, you know, your teammates and your, your team members and your friends and everything else. And it's, um, it's, you know, it's an important part of it is to, you know, continue those connections and God, it would be, it would be really bad just, you know, socially and emotionally not to be able to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we would probably have a lot less compliance in that matter too.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, because we are able to FaceTime and video chat with friends and family, you know, we're not, we don't feel that same pressure to, to go outside our house that we might right. otherwise would. Right, right.
2: It's so Mitch, I'd actually,
1: I'd like to change gears
3: a little bit. I, you know, obviously there's all this COVID oh, yeah. and news and whatnot. Let's, um, let's focus back on the college season that you guys had. So, you know, other than the obvious thing that St. Mary's was going to get hot at the end and get on the podium at team race nationals. <laughs> right. uh, so what are, what are like some of the up and coming teams like Jacksonville? And, you know, I graduated in 2016 Jacksonville is kind of coming around. Now you got Tulane, you still have Fordham. Who are some of those up and coming programs that really have impressed you throughout the course of this past season, fall and spring?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, that's one of the cool things that, you know, we we obviously there, there are some, some, some great powerhouses, but to see a school like Jacksonville come on really strong, you know, this past, you know, year and a half or so and that that's been really cool uh tulane obviously fresh out of the you know the the advancement from club to varsity and you know the work that charles has done and he's got a great uh stable of um some excellent sailors and um you know they're they were doing well um it makes you know the the st mary's and the and the and the you know the odus work hard to you know keep you know stay you know stay in it you know Fordham is, is good. You know, uh, you know, the you know, Navy obviously was having a good year. Um, Georgetown was having a good year. And so there's so many, uh, these teams are obviously are having a good year, but you know, yeah, it's cool to see this uh, like you know, Jacksonville was coming on strong and they've been right there the past couple of years and making, making plays, Yeah, you know, from the West coast getting to see, um, You know Stanford stepping it up after kind of a a, a challenging last year for them Um, emotionally. Them to you know step up. Obviously, you've got some great sailors. Um, UCSB's been you know throws out some some good races from here you know from time to time, and so that's cool too. Nice. And then one more question I have for you, Mitch. You've
3: you've been around, caught in the game. You and Worbla could probably talk about the triangle courses back in the day and the team race course. Yeah, modified. um, Let's, let's talk. Let's let's focus on the last five years. How has the style of team racing changed? What have you noticed, is it more like right at the end? It seemed like it was more of a space and pace type of a deal. Yale was always really good at converting play twos into wins and con- converting one five sixes into two three fours. What else have you seen, kind of style wise in team racing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know you see some. People being, reg- I guess, probably aggressive at different points of the race f- than they were 15 years ago. You know, 15 years ago, you were you're know, really working on you know boat speed off the line, fleet racing up the first beat, which is still really important, obviously. But you know, we've shrunk the races down from you know a 15 minute race to you yeah, know it's barely a 10 minute race now, and so um, you can you can afford to be more aggressive early in the race. You can afford also I see you know people chasing more um, and you know we didn't do it much. A two three yeah, like yeah, like chasing the one a lot more type thing, and not playing back as much before we always played back and I, I see a lot more teams just playing ahead now, um and that I think that's I think if you have a speed you know confident with speed and you know, especially in the teams coming from some shifty venues, they do that, you know but the the well disciplined team that um you know, sticks to their game plan, uh, wins in and out uh, over and over again. I think, um, you know, I, there, some of the younger teams. I know, it's, we, you know, from time to time, we at ODU we struggle with getting too focused on the, you know, the boat behind us when we need to be looking ahead, and um, that you know that can be a challenge sometimes.
1: Um, oh, I'll, I'll give you one, uh, Alex. the The biggest thing that's changed in the last five years is now at a team race regatta, collegiate team race regatta, there are a, assuming the venue allows it, there are a minimum of four drones in the sky at all
2: times. That has changed. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: No way. Yeah, yeah.
3: that's true. And is, do, do, are like teams really territorial about that footage or do they have no, to share it?
1: No, so we at uh, ICSA uh, made a rule, and I think this is a good rule currently, um, that, you are required to share the footage with everybody at the regatta. So you, uh, and you're, there's only supposed to be one drone in the sky per race. Mm -hmm. So for a fleet race, it's just one drone up. uh, And then for a team race, you could have three or four up and got to make sure that I think there's currently a a Google drive account set up for coaches to submit their drone footage at the end of the event.
2: Yeah. We're not very good at that yet. That part we're not very good at. Uh, managing the getting the the you know the the, the big files shared is is yes. still a, a, a tough a option. Yeah. But we have good. There should integrity.
3: be a uh, there should be a tab on Tech Score drone rotation Ooh. where like you oh, know okay. you depending on the battery length, you <laughs> right. know you yeah, yeah. you get the certain one that would be kind of cool. So, so I does, don't want to
1: brag, but we've got some of the longest battery length. So well,
3: um, does,
0: does each typical
3: government deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does each team have its own like designated drone guy or girl or is it yeah. at each event there's
2: uh one or two people
0: that just know how to do it
2: i, I think that's generally the case i mean navy often travels with a drone pilot wow um, i've got tyler yeah. and tyler's awesome with the drone um but it, you know just it, kind you've, of you've also got a player that's I you know I got goddess, he's your yeah. designated guy right Yeah, he's really good you know, a couple of things that are key is making sure the drones aren't on the same or at different altitudes, it's simple stuff. And you get people to communicate. I ha- I did watch or I did hear about the, uh, I was at a regatta at where the Navy drone um, did a nosedive and skipped across the water and then <laughs> 18 feet down. So yeah. that
1: was, uh that was Ian Berman flying the drone when that happened. I just want to get that. Oh, out.
2: sure. Way to
3: throw him <laughs> under the bus. So your boss. So, so when. When the drones first kind of became popular, like uh, maybe it was 2018 or something, I went to St. Mary's and did a like the super stud team race that they have. And we thought it was hilarious. Every collision, like it, seeing it from that point of view, all the alumni were like dying laughing and oh, yeah. these poor kids. And, you know, we had come from wherever and we didn't really care. We were just there slinging it. And uh, that I thought that that was very entertaining. But I knew right away it was going to change the way team racing was done and you know certainly you can almost see the ladder rungs in in the drone footage and know when pairs are balanced or becoming unbalanced or four six packs back so it's it's definitely a cool tool and you i i'd I'd love to go back to college now and take take advantage of some of those resources
2: it's so good it really is it It has completely
1: (laughs) changed the game for coaching um like i mean there's, there's so many times where you're on shore and you're just like, Oh, like I, like we were winning that pair. What happened? And now you like have the drone footage and you let's, know what
0: happened. Let's go yeah. to the tape.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's, I'm sure it's pretty similar to Mitch when you were coaching and they invented the binoculars and you were able to like, actually <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. <laughs>
3: yes. That's
0: <it>. um, <laughs> digital watch.
3: Oh too. man, that's uh, funny. Well,
0: but what else that's fat. I had no idea that was going on with drones. I guess I haven't been to a college team race event in quite some time, but what, like, what else is there anything on the horizon, Mitch, that you're aware of or Dylan, something that the Navy's developing that could, I don't know what, what's something that could further enhance team racing coaching and then just as a sport to consume and watch at home.
1: So I'll tell you that at the, the last regatta of our season this spring, uh, it turned out to be the St. Mary's team race. Mm-hmm. And during that event, we uh, were up in one of the, it's kind of like the coach's room. Uh, it's upstairs on the second deck, and there's a small conference room with a, and it has a large flat screen TV. Mm-hmm. I had. That's our, where I used to
3: do my homework. Oh.
1: I cool.
0: didn't do yeah. homework. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, had the, I had our drone guy uh, hook the live feed from our drone controller up to the television. And I was, I had my back to the water, wasn't looking at the water at all. And was watching the, our race live on the TV. And it was like, it was perfect view. I could see exactly what was going on. And so I think that's, that's probably the next step. I don't know what it's going to look like to get there, but I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, there there'll obviously be some limitations, you know, conditions when you can do that. I mean, you know, all the miserable conditions that we enjoy so much at like the Zambeki and stuff, you might not be able to do that, but certainly when you can, it's <laughs> great. You know, it's nice for the coaches to, you know, be inside in the climate controlled conference room at Saint Mary's and how the sun, you know, you're not gonna end up with the wrinkles and the sun damage that I have, Dylan. So you'll keep that keep that that fourteen year old complexion that you have. <laughs> That's important. I have a
3: question. How does that? How does that change the relationship with umpires? Because you know you can get mad at umpires without seeing the tape, and then you know you show the tape, and maybe the umpires didn't get it right. How does that change things with
1: those guys? Doesn't change it at all. It
2: it does. Maybe one important thing is we need coaches need to do a a better job at helping is providing this to the the umpires to help educate them, and especially when you can. When you can take a point of view camera, you know, from there, especially if it's umpires with a, you know, like a GoPro on and match it up with the, the drone so they can look at what they're seeing versus what's actually happening. Because, you know, they're that would be awesome what they can see. And it's, a, it's definitely easier for us to look at the drone and say, oh, these guys are, you know, right. that's not how it happened. And so, but if we can help them, you know, give them an opportunity to learn more from it, I think it's really good and, you know, across the board, not just the empires we use, but across the board, the more training we can help provide them, the better um, team racing is going to be. Wow.
0: That's fat I had had no idea that the drone, you know, I've been watching in the last several college nationals, it had been, it's a part of the broadcast, but other than that, I didn't know it was a regular thing at every single event now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are still venues where you're not allowed to fly, like, we uh, we don't allow drones to fly at the Naval Academy. You can't fly drones at Georgetown because there's the airport right there. So, but in any place where it's legally allowed, people are flying drones. Interesting.
3: Do you fly at St. Mary's? Cause I guess you just answered that, but there's the big Navy base right there.
1: Yeah, for some reason that's not a. Uh, I think the we're far enough away from the actual. Uh, airstrip itself that's not a concern and their their jets are flying so high that the where we are is not a not an issue
0: sweet Hmm. well Mitch a couple more questions that I have for you then we'll let you go Uh, Uh going back into the whole cancellation of nationals I know that I saw that ICSA is honoring almost pretty much every single senior to some effect from each team I was hoping you could expand a little bit more on that
2: so there, there are a couple of things we've tried to do working with um, U.S. sailing and other partners is, you know, one, we're trying to you know, recognize, We, you know, the, the U.S. sailing was helping us, um, you know, trying to call for teams to, you know, recognize a, a graduating senior and stuff like that. And so we've done that. We're, we're, we're doing that stuff. Um, we're looking at opportunities to bring the these graduating seniors back to give them another opportunity to wear their pennies again with with their teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a non-college event, but you know, college style event, you know, in mean, open, open, especially in team racing, so they can really kind of suit up in their pennies with their teammates and, and go one more time. You know, our initial thought was, you know, working with LP um for the laser performance uh, collegiate cup they were interested in doing something and bringing that back to the u.s and you know the first idea was to do it down in in new orleans in august and you know but right now we just it, so much is still up in the air whether we'll bring really, you know do that down there at that point but you know i know you know we have a lot of partners that are interested in helping us do that and put together some other Regattas where um, these uh, seniors can sail in a you know collegiate style event. Obviously, we've we've um, made and we're making an amendment to our um, procedure rules so the the spring season just won't count against anyone. We haven't extended anyone's calendar in terms of eligibility, um, but they, you know they're, they're, this spring season won't count. So if they are not graduating. Mm -hmm. um they they'll still have an additional spring you're still limited to four falls um and four springs it's just that the one if they sail to regatta this spring you won't count against them
0: interesting and that'll clearly just be on a team basis each player will have you know if they need to finish do a fifth year academically or if they want to come back that they
2: can right right and there you know there's different schools have had a different stance on it um you know the ncaa had has um extended eligibilities or mm-hmm. essentially allowed schools or pro or conferences to to um re- uh, request a waiver right um and and i know the like the ivy league for example has said that that they will not be extending anyone's um, eligibility in all other sports and um and I know there's some uh, schools like University of Wisconsin, um, even though the NCAA is going to allow this additional year of eligibility for spring sports, they decided that they would not do that right. for their for their athletes at Wisconsin. But for sailing, you know, we haven't extended the, the the overall eligibility. You know, we're, you know, kind of of the belief right now that, you, you know, most of the seniors that we're going to graduate we're gonna, are graduating. And, you know, those that, you know, might have that fifth year you know, they're still going to have that opportunity. They, they didn't use that spring so they could come back and, and sell that, that next spring. Um, you know, they still have to, you know, they'll still have to, you know, challenge their teammates or, or what have you um, to do that, but that's, you know, that's their opportunity. That's great. Um, and that's, so that's, that's kind of, that's one thing we're doing. Um, we're still recognizing our all America committee's busy. Um, um kind of refining their all America list. Mm-hmm. And we did, I believe it's like 215 college sailing regattas, even though we, you know, we lost our spring championships. We did award three national championships this year mm-hmm. and overall is about 215 regattas in college sailing. So we're pretty fortunate. We got, we still got a lot in and we should celebrate those athletes that, that did so well all year. And we'll um, we're selecting, we're going to announce um, our sailors of the year and our, Um, all-america team do you know we will will not be we will not be awarding a a foul trophy this year but otherwise we will be awarding the all-american honors
0: do you have a date that you could tell us right now when you will be announcing that
2: i I, we don't have everything locked in exactly how when and how we'll be doing it but i I suspect it'll be a a, you know an online um release um we it was i want to say the 30th of april is when we'd have the the list fin- is the target for the finish of the list but okay you know once we have that we'll you know make sure we send out a release and get you know let everyone know and 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 we try to produce a nice package to yeah to send that out
0: definitely my last question then we'll let you go here unless dylan or Alex, do you yeah. guys have anything else you want to talk about nope. uh i know you said you have a lot on the you know still a lot to figure out but would nationals next year still be in new Orleans because? I was planning on attending this year for the team racing part and uh yeah. it would be remiss an opportunity to go have a have a fun time down in New Orleans.
2: Yeah, I hear you Brooks and we'd love to have you and we will be <laughs> will be back in in New Orleans. That's the the we've just pushed everything back a year. So Great. we'll be in New Orleans in 2021. Well, that's that's breaking news things. right there Brooks. That's, that's breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news, well, I'm breaking right. news on the pod. <laughs> so that's the plan. There you go. Sweet. And, you know, bring it on. We'd love to have you down there. So Perfect. New Orleans is no fun at all. True. It's no no
3: fun. fun. It's a terrible place to go. Total sarcasm for you guys at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Mitch. Well, uh, we'll let you go now. But really thank you for your time. And uh, hope, to, hope to see you soon. And best of luck with everything. And, um, yeah, <laughs> we'd love to get you back on again soon.
2: All right. Sounds good, you guys. Thanks right. a lot. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Mitch. That's great. No, Mitch. I love, love getting Mitch on the, on the pod. Uh, yeah, that's, that was
3: good. Got
1: some breaking news. That was cool. Yeah, that was, I, did, I, had, I didn't know that. I know that had been talked about, but uh, that's, that's good for me to know that Nationals are in New Orleans next year. You can't – promise me
0: you can't break that news, tell anybody until this episode comes out.
1: Okay. <laughs> Who am I going to tell? I'm in an apartment by myself. You got to
0: know that stuff, Paiva, man. If you're working
3: at the Naval Academy, you're part of the government,
1: Yeah. you got to know that stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna to have to have a stern conversation with my boss about that. He's on the executive committee. He didn't even tell me. Oh, wow, wow.
0: Well, Alex, thank you for uh, guiding the episode away from you know the the sad reality of the world. But that no, it's it's it can get dark quick. And uh, thank you for that. Sparked a whole conversation about drones. I had no idea that drones were that prominent now. Yeah, if you don't have a drone, yeah. No my my dad wanted to get a drone for uh our offshore races, just for like photos and stuff. I'm like, Dad, I don't I don't know if you can learn how to fly a drone. Maybe you could. I don't know.
1: I will tell you it's I think it's, you I think it's you shockingly easy. It is not very difficult at all. <clears throat> yeah. It just stays there by itself. You don't have to do anything.
0: I've flown one once at the uh at Hinden last year in Newport. Uh Peter Wells had a drone and I flew it briefly, but I don't know. Moving getting it moving get landing it back on a boat that's going, you know, 10 to 15 knots could be a little harrowing. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, team racing is just going to keep evolving, you know. The, well, some Somebody's going to crack the Georgetown
1: dial down, and it's, you know, or maybe well, somebody already has. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, have you seen the, the new uh, 16-2? I, yeah, so I'm on the Hidman committee, and I don't think that
3: that totally, like, clears everything up. But it, I don't know. I haven't failed that many team
1: race Regardless, Has it cleared some stuff off? So, uh, I, in my opinion, it definitely clears things up because it deletes call D2, which makes things much, much cleaner.
0: Uh, for those – before you get to inside baseball here, let's uh, – would you mind going through what Rule sixteen two and call D2 is? Yeah, so uh,
1: – uh, rule sixteen two uh, and call D two both deal with the the dial down scenario. So when you have a high level
3: stuff right here, the regatta yeah. karate,
1: the regatta karate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So the the essentially the the call was written really really poorly and it contradicted itself inside the call book, and all of the umpires and sailors couldn't agree on how it was supposed to be called and who was right and who was wrong and the reason it exists is to prevent bow to bow collisions on a, you know, reaching angle, which is quite dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the new, there's a new rule that's going to be included in the next edition of the racing rules of sailing. So the 2021 through 24 edition, and the college sailing has decided to go ahead and adopt that rule now, even though it's not officially a a racing rule of sailing yet. Mm -hmm. And so we had it for the couple of events we used this, uh, or, the couple events we had this spring. And I have to say, I I think it was way better. Um, I saw it happen a couple times and I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's it, that's the new rule. And the umpires, sure enough, called it the correct way. And it makes it easier for the umpires to tell who's right or wrong. And I still think
0: it makes it safe.
3: Cool.
0: I like that. Do you know, so you just said, uh, I know every new rule period is every four years, which used to line up with the Olympic quad. Now that the Olympics have been pushed back, are they still going to come out with new rules and the whole next year is going to be, the next Olympics will be under new rules. Do you know, or is that?
1: I, you know, I had not thought about that. You might've been the first person to ever think about that Brooks. I I have no idea. This is what Um, we think about while we're locked up. That's a really I'm pretty sure Dave Perry and Dave Dellenbaugh, they thought about that. I I don't know. Maybe maybe we got to get
3: them on the pod. We got to get them on the pod. Who who are
1: those guys? I, I, I don't know. I've never heard of them. That, I thought that was gonna be funnier. That wasn't there was funny. one time this I was sitting on the Morgan Cup and it was me and Dave. We were brawling in the
3: front and Dave's like, "Learn the rules," and I'm like, "You gotta teach them to be better." He's
0: like Touche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's something I was thinking about. Like, would they just make a include those games? Cause I I can't. I don't know much about any other sports as far as their governing bodies, but I don't know any other sports that have a rule book that you know, updates as constantly at sailing. Like, it's not like basketball is going to, oh, yeah, basketball. Four.
1: well, there are, I mean, there are small rule changes that will happen with uh, every sport. Um, like, think about, like the, the NFL, like, changes, like, small things, like, every year, it seems like, but,
0: yeah.
1: um, and the NBA will change how they interpret certain contact rules and those kinds of things, but uh, as, to my knowledge, sailing is unique in that we have a rule book that says we're going to use these rules for four years. So there's going to be no right. changes, and then we're going to do an, another set for the next
0: four. Right. Well, that'll be something we should uh, be monitoring down the line. Yeah. Alex, yeah. I, think we, I think we can let you go soon, Alex, right?
3: Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brooks, Piva, It's been great chatting with you guys. Looking forward to season two of Boats and Pros. My favorite episode is any episode that from season one. Any episode that we talk team racing with anybody, I'm in. So um, All right. those were my favorites.
0: All right, Alex, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks for hopping on, bud.
2: Bye, Alex. Of course. Talk to you guys stay, soon. Stay.
1: And he's gone. All right. Now it's just us. Just us. All right. Well, Alex kind of kicked us off there. Um, do you want to keep going with favorite episodes? Yeah, let's keep. We can. Keep to,
0: I, yeah, we can spend some time on that. Um,
1: I was trying to think about this uh, today, in, in you know, getting mentally in the zone for B and P, uh, and I think my favorite episode was. Uh, I I hope I remember this name correctly, but uh, it was the organizer for the Fort to Battery race. I think it was Tim uh, Fitzgerald. Tim yeah, um, I thought that was a really cool episode. I, I uh, it was something that you know I had heard about, uh, never gotten a chance to see, um, but learned a lot about the events and it was cool to get to know Tim.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that was a fun one. I think I did. I think we had like 25 episodes in season one, 25. Are you serious? Maybe only 22. My last one that I did might've been with you, if not you, it was with the, uh, Tulane athletic director. It was within like a week after Tulane had been announced. It's become a varsity program. I was like, I don't know. That could be fun to talk about. Okay. I, like, I do remember that one. Yeah. Like John, his name was like something Ross name escapes me at the moment, but I like that one. I, I really, I always enjoyed the Annie Hager episode as well. I think that was, that was a fun one. I was like probably my personal favorite. That was uh that was right after
1: uh, Rio, wasn't it?
0: Not right after it was maybe like six or seven months after. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it was great to talk to her about her experience and what happened to her and Brianna during the event. Uh, right little note that there is a lost episode. We had Erica, I had Erica Reinke as a guest one time and, uh, the, the whole audio file just completely crapped out. I was using this old software that I have since moved on past, but it, I was just so embarrassed because I had this whole interview, like scheduling and then like, where's the episode? It's like, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> and the the audio is shot. So that sucked, but, uh, it, it was a good episode. So maybe we'll have to get Erica on for season two. She's been doing, uh, on her Instagram, like Tuesday Tips or something like that, talking about how to make a laser go faster, uh, which I could always use, making boats go faster.
1: When I was know, the last time you were in a laser, Brooks?
0: 2000. And I don't know, I maybe one time at CFC I was messing around at one, but like the last race that I did, I think my, my senior year of high school, I did the Cressy Qualifier. Oh, this is actually a great story. Senior year of high school, I did the Cressy Qualifier this maybe was the year before anyway uh barnard was in a position to qualify top five from our district went and um i was you know it was i think it was at hurricane Gold. it was at hurricane gulch in cabrillo and halfway through this on sunday his i believe his boom broke and at this point i was like you know it was breeze on. I was all, you know, 130 pounds of raw radial power, and I was just getting beat around, <laughs> and Xander Kirkland, our coach, was like, dude, you want to give Barnard your boom? And I'm like, yeah, it means I don't have to get my ass kicked out here anymore, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Barney, Barney gets my boom, and uh, was it, the, I don't know, I'm I'm confusing this with another story, maybe, because there's another version where maybe that's what happened and then at some point xander was on a dock or like chris's dad was on a dock and he had to give chris another top section cuz the top section broke we had spares so so scott like runs full javelin like launches this top section off this dock and like coach boat picks it up so it was just a it was a crazy sequence of events but the boom was the more memorable one i think that that's a good way to go and uh put the icing on a laser career it kind of yeah, sums it up nicely just be
1: like you know what I don't need this boom.
0: I'm I'm out. Yeah, take it. I'm out. <laughs> that was the last time I was in a laser. All right, uh, Dylan. I think that's going to go ahead and conclude episode one of season two of Boats and Pros. Thank you for coming back. It was great getting getting chat with your old coach, Mitch, and uh, Curtis was great too. Alex Curtis, fun to get on. And uh, I don't know. Well, if if you would like to come back for next for next week. I'll invite you back on a weekly basis based off of your performance from the episode. How's that sound?
1: Cool. Can we get like a poll that uh, ranks, you know, me
0: and Curtis and Mitch, you know, so we can see who gets the most likes? We could try to do that. I mean, I don't don't think Mitch could be a recurring guest. I mean, I'd like to have him back on down the line, but for right now, we'll focus on you and Alex's performance because, you know, we got to establish some sort of hierarchy there. I mean, he's the one that had to leave early. You're the one that's still here at the end. That's true. Yeah, I'm here. That's the point. So I'll officially invite you out. Dylan, would you like to come back next week? I would love to come back, Brooks. Thank you. We got you on. All right. Uh, And a bit on the big picture side, we're recording this via Zoom. You don't have to watch it, obviously. You can listen to it. So I'm going to upload it also as a podcast if you prefer to consume it that way. But if there's enough interest, I'm going to figure out a way to go live so we can have an actual live show. You guys can hang out in the chat room, ask us questions, our guest questions. And uh, if there's a way we can do that, if there would be interest, let me know. We'd love to hear back from you. And uh, that's pretty much it for episode one, season two. Glad to be back. Get the rust off, get the dust off. I'll clean up my setup here in the between now and the next episode for sure. And that's all we got. Dylan, anything else? Nope. That's
1: it. Looking forward to getting back on the water with everybody. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe out there and bless the rains.